the Voice of Retail podcast. My name is Michael LeBlanc, and I am your host. This podcast is produced in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Veteran retailer, entrepreneur, investor, and friend of the pod, David Louie, is back this episode with his new business partner, Canadian retail legend Joe Mamran, in an exclusive interview to talk about buying Vancouver's Kit and Ace, a retailer with an origin story that goes back almost a decade to its founding by Lululemon lead designer Shannon Wilson and son J.J. Wilson. We talk about their impression of the brand today, what makes it great, and growth plans for this innovative apparel retailer. Gentlemen, welcome to the Voice Retail Podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Excellent. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks, Joe. David, how are you? Awesome, Michael. Awesome. I'm sitting here in the, the back room of a kidney store in Gastown, Vancouver, BC. Well, wonderful. You're kind of foreshadowing the news. Well, listen, this is multiple times that you've been on the podcast. First time for you, Joe. So, David, welcome back. And, and Joe, welcome welcome on board. I can't believe I've almost got to 400 episodes without having you on the Voice of Retail podcast. So I'm glad you're here. There's not many people here in Canada who would know the two of you, but uh, I got a bit of an international audience as well. So, Joe, let's start out with a little bit about your background and, and how you got to be you and what you do today. What's a little, little bit about sure. yourself? Sure, sure, sure. So I, I go back, way back uh, to the first days in the industry where I started with a brand called Alfred Sung. We, we uh, created that brand uh uh, we were a manufacturing business right here in Toronto and realized very early on that brands really controlled the industry. It was the retailers and the brands, so we wanted to create a brand. We went to the U.S. to to try and find a brand and then realized we should create our own. And so we hired, uh, we hired one designer. She didn't last. She said she was off. We said, wait a minute, don't leave. We're going to make you famous. Uh, and uh, she left anyway. And then we went, we hired Alfred. We said, we're going to make you famous, make you a brand. And within three years, he hit the cover of McLean's magazine as the king of Canadian fashion. That was 1983. 1984, we wrote a licensing agreement for fragrance. Uh, that was a 50-year licensing agreement for fragrance. And it ended up being distributed to 50 countries, 60 mm. countries around the world. Mm. That was Riviera Concepts. Then came up with a concept called Club Monaco in 1984. We opened our first store in 85. Uh, we uh, we uh, expanded all over the world, and in 2000 uh, sold it to Ralph Lauren. And now lots of ups and downs during that time. Uh, and uh, but the but the brand got extremely well known. Then I retired for a couple of years. I had also started a company called Caban, which was a home <laughs> a home store, yeah. which uh, which a lifestyle store. And then uh, met met up with uh, John Letterer who was the CEO of Loblaws at the time, he said, Joe, can you design some home products for President's Choice? I said, yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, <laughs> designed, uh, he said, you know, all I need is 20 products, but boy, you know, it's, that's our jewel, uh, President's Choice. So anyhow, we designed some uh, home products that turned into a, a full-time gig. Then they asked me to create a uh, apparel line yeah. uh, and uh, created a line called Joe Fresh. Uh, that ended up becoming the number one brand in Canada in both units and dollars within five years. And then, uh, and then I retired from Joe Fresh. I did a few years of Dragon's Den, uh, did a little bit of uh, venture capital work with Gibraltar and company. We invested in a bunch of different businesses. And one of the businesses was Tilly, which we then, uh, we've now uh, reinventing. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we've just uh, recently just made uh, another uh, acquisition. So, uh, yeah, 
that's that's my history in in about three minutes. Well, uh, two questions. One is, did you always want to be in retail, or was it for you an accidental career, or did, did you always say this is where I can hang my yeah, hat? I've, I've always I've always loved I've always loved fashion. Uh, as a you know twelve year old boy, my my mother was a couturier. And so I would get her to make my clothes for me. It was uh, kind of embarrassing at the time because I'd be wearing <laughs> bell bottoms and yellow mohair sweaters. Luckily, I was a tough kid, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I I love the arts. I love fashion. I actually in university took uh, took uh, the you know I got my BA and and had uh, sociology mm. and fine arts as my majors. Then went on and got my uh, got a real degree, which was <laughs> in accounting, and so I, I mm. had both sides of the brain working. But always loved the arts. I opened an art gallery when I was 19 years old, and uh, and uh, loved the blend that fashion brought, which was both you had to have both the artistic side and the business side sure. in order to be in 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 that business. And I love the way that, that comes together. So. Yeah, it's always been in my blood. Well, and the other, I guess, wasn't a question. It was more a statement. It seems like the only thing you're not great at is retiring. <laughs> yes, I've tried it a few times. Now, <laughs> David, you and I have known each other going back probably 15 years, so it's wonderful to get you back on the mic. Uh, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. You've, you're described in, as a Canadian tire executive, but you're oh so much more. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, thank you, Michael, and it's always a pleasure to be on your podcast and You've been a dear friend of mine, so the uh, retail industry is pretty small. So thanks for having me back, and also also with Joe. I mean, what a what an awesome cast. I'm, I'll, I'll try to match his uh, his description. But uh, a little bit about me: I I was born into retail, uh, born into retail, merchant family out in Vancouver, BC. Uh, you know, went to school, well, high school, and then uh, right out of high school, I decided I wanted to venture on my own versus going into post-secondary. So I, I, I made a trek overseas, and uh, being my first trip, I was enticed with a very interesting brand called Theme. Uh, and with the, with the amount of immigrants coming into Canada, I thought, you know, it, it, what an opportunity to bring something home to their new home in Canada. So this was actually uh, 89 is when I brought the brand over, hmm. over to Canada and uh, established... Uh, a 15 store chain uh, between Toronto and Vancouver at a very young age no uh, school of hard school of hard knocks, of course, and went through that, uh, had a great run. And over time, uh, you know, just with the interesting scenario and partnerships, uh, I eventually sold my stake, uh, but really progressed in my career where I had the opportunity to join with several other uh, international brands, went off to Esprit, had an opportunity to turn around the brand, at that time, uh, revamping uh, the retail store business as well as the B2B business that we had. Uh, and then from Esprit, uh, I didn't want to move to Germany. That was the opportunity was to move to Germany. Uh, uh, another brand called Nygaard came. I went there mm-hmm. as the head of retail. Oh, I didn't know you were at Nygaard. I, I didn't know you were there. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it, very interesting school of uh, fashion business. Uh, yeah. But I was head of retail eventually grew into marketing. That's what really got me excited about mm. marketing. Uh, and just throughout my career, just from Nygaard on, uh, and then last within the last eight to nine years, uh, I spent time at Canadian Tire, yep. where I was heading up the marketing and the whole basically e-commerce and digital uh, branding, repositioning of the Marks brand into casual wear, 
as well as uh, spearheading the repositioning of Sportcheck uh, to a much more broader audience. So I spent a really great and a fun career in retail, could not leave it. Uh, but the last uh, three years, I was uh, CEO of a, a semi-precious gemstone that was mined in one part of the world, which is southern Alberta. Yep. And turning something that is purely Canadian, only found in one spot, and and turning it into a luxurious good of uh, jewelry and fine art. But um, but this now, you know, fast tracking to where I am today, why I'm sitting here in the background of Kidney Store, mm. uh, partnering with Joe and Frank Ricchetti on an exciting opportunity with uh with kittenies and that's that's where i'm at today what it's a great overview and uh let's talk about that so it's exciting news the kitten ace acquisition but before we get there let's start at the beginning this partnership of yours david talk about this new co that you form with joe and, and frank how did it come together was it uh, over a glass of wine somehow or did you all kind of know each other before just a little bit of how it all came to be it, this all came to be quite quickly uh it came, actually came through a, a coffee with George, who was the previous owner here at Kidneys, mm-hmm. who ultimately bought it from Chip uh, about five years ago. Yeah, and uh, we just had a we 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 had an interesting conversation where he was looking for advice, you know, as peers within the industry. Sure, uh, which became which became a lot more deeper discussion about the opportunity to partner with him, or and it just it just came about that uh, it may be maybe an opportunity for me to invest. Uh, and then uh, when I connected with Joe, the same passion you had uh, in our discussion about Kit and Ace was the same spirit of how I feel about the brand. And uh, this was, uh, I think, about in March of this year, and mm. we we never turned back. And this is and this is a bit of history of where uh, up until today, this is where we came from. Now, Joe, this is to say the least not your first retail venture, and and you've had lots of opportunities to work with all kinds of different people. What what do you think the combination of yourself, David, and and Frank brings that's unique and, and powerful. You've had a lot of partners, and you know the one plus one equals three, I'm sure, is one of those things you look for. Talk about uh, what you, the three of you bring to the, to the table, so to speak, to make this and other ventures uh, really successful. Yeah, um, well, we hit it off with David right away. I, I love, his, uh, I love his, his attitude and his enthusiasm, uh, but um, really, you know, at the heart, at the heart of it is, is really the fact that he's been in the business for for quite some time and he understands retail and still has a passion for it. I think that's probably one of the most important elements is to have that that mm. desire and that passion. Um, and I think when you combine that with our capabilities, we have uh, obviously uh, design and development capabilities, sourcing capabilities. Uh, we understand retail um, ourselves. I've been in it for, as you said, very long time. Uh, we've had some successful exits. Uh, so this is a brand that uh, can really, I think, go much further than it, it has. Um, and, I, and I think that it's got a very, very good uh, base consumer. Uh, the, the consumer that, that Kit and Ace has sort of zeroed in on right now is one that can be grown, I believe, Mm. uh, I think with the right amount of attention. Um, And we're also coming out of a post-COVID moment. And I think people are ready to come back to uh, shop at in retail stores. We're seeing a movement back into retail stores. We're seeing uh, certainly this desire for technical clothing continuing to grow. So we see it as a, we see it as a, 
you know, as a growth category. Uh, but it's this, it's this, uh, it's this loyal customer base that's been built over the last uh, ten years. Um, that um, I think is very valuable, and mm. I just think that uh, I just think a little more attention has got to be paid on, you know, some of the product offerings and some of the, uh, you know, some of some of the certainly on the women's side more than on the men's side, um, and and uh, between our capabilities, David's you know willing to run this thing day to day. Uh, I've got lots of other things that I work on in addition to to Kitten A, so. You know the fact that he's willing to spend 100% of his time and and really uh, dig in, mm. which is what retail needs. Yep. Retail is a contact sport. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's not a spectator sport. That's for sure. It's not a spectator. No, sport. it's not, and it's relentless. It's yep. every day you've got to be on it. You've you know, and you've got to be committed uh, to doing that. And I think having the hands-on that David brings is going to make, uh, I think a, a very big difference. And then we've got, you know, some, uh, individuals who've been with the company for a long time now, uh, George, uh, which is, uh, you know, the CEO, he was the CEO, I think having his experience and, and sort of learnings over the years is going to be very valuable, uh, also from an operating perspective. So, you know, you combine all of that, Frank, who's a wizard on, you know, all things logistics, organizational. Uh, he's a, you know, great, great partner to have. Um, you know, you're talking about a lot of years of experience that's coming yeah. together. So hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, the consumer will, will, will like what we, we do. Uh, we're not looking to change the base customer. Mm. We're looking to enhance. Uh, we're looking just to enhance it and to uh, also to fuel it, you know, to invest in it and to, uh, take it to the next level, which uh, is what it requires. Let, let me let me follow on that kind of brand discussion, and and let's talk about the Kitten Ace brand for a bit. I mean, as a brand, it's gone through highs and lows, right? I mean, tremendous expansion, tremendous contraction. It's not a heritage brand. I wouldn't describe it as a heritage brand. Um, it certainly was a leader in a very specific category. So when when you sat back, even before you got into you know, looking at at uh, having a piece of the action of the business. How did you, what, what's your perception of the brand? It's not Tilly, which I think I'd call a heritage brand that you're modernizing, yes. right? Yes. It's different. Yes. It's something different. Describe it's, how you think about it. It's a, it's a very different, it's very different in the sense that it was, it started as a technical cashmere brand. And that was the underlying premise for it. And it morphed. And it's, and the way it morphed, was into being a technical commuter type product geared to, I would say, this uh, very active millennial customer who, who goes to work, gets on his bike, uh, you know, goes out for dinner, all in the same clothes. Right. And, and, and that's a lifestyle change that has occurred where, um, People have been dressing and have continuously dressed in this more casual way. And Kitten Ace has sort of captured that spirit of it, mm. but have not taken it to have not taken full advantage of that positioning. Mm. That's that's how mm. I would. Yeah, that's how I would position it. And, and it's almost been neglected. I think it, it got off to such a fast sort of growth mode 
that the expectations were too high. Mm. And then when, you know, when demand wasn't there against the original expectation, I think yeah. there was, uh, uh, I think there was a pulling back as opposed to, uh, you know, letting the customer come to them. You know, they, they were sort of, it was more push rather than pull. I mean, the industry uh, might say ahead yeah, of their so, skis yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. We might, we might Over say. Over their skis, as they say. And, yeah, and you and, think, and you think with the current, it's interesting because I, I'm going to follow on this point. And then, David, I want to get to you talking about the future. But uh, you know, it's a small business relative to you know four, what is it, four stores. So, but you think there's enough of a solid base of, of a loyal customer? Yes, that, I think, something to build. Yeah, I think yeah. what's missing, what's missing, uh, Michael, is the is that they have a very strong e-commerce business. Mm. So mm-hmm. their e-commerce, uh, the e-commerce business is uh, is much bigger than much bigger than the four stores, and uh, and so the physical presence may not be there, and that's that's really where uh, why we're so interested in the business. Now, like you said, it's still a yeah. fairly small business. Yeah. Uh, but I would prefer I prefer it being at this right. size right now. Trying yeah. to change. A business with a hundred locations is very, 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 uh, very difficult. You. David, you would you would know how difficult that is uh, with the work you did at uh, at Mark. So, so David, let's turn our minds to the future state of the brand. I mean, um, you know, uh, it's day it's day three, so let's not get too far ahead of our skis in the conversation. But I think you've got in a mind of how you're going to grow. I mean, on the one hand, the category is a little more crowded than it was. I, I, we would say Kit Nace created a category; some others have followed. What, what do you see as um, remarkable remarkable about this brand that you can grow and leverage from? Well, I, Michael, I think the word you just used, leverage, is is a core uh, focal point of mine. Um, I, I'll, I would kind of back up what Joe mentioned, a little bit more stats. We, we do have a tremendous fan base today. Hmm. Uh, if I look back at over the last three years, this is during the pandemic in 2020 up until the end of 2022, the, the, the revenue side actually has grown 10% per year. So very, right. very uh, positive. And the fan base is tremendously strong because 66% of our guests who bought from us two years ago are still coming back to mm. us. Mm. So that's tremendous positioning that we, we currently have. And quite frankly, that was, that was a major attraction of mine to the brand is that there is a lot of brand love uh, that you know, previous owners have built and, and quite frankly, uh, underutilized. So, um, but going forward, uh, we believe uh, not reinventing the game. It's really uh, further pushing along uh, the premise that it's built on over the last five years, uh, and you know, the product is more what I call movement-friendly comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is purely made to last. Uh, even if you look at our navigator collection, or currently on floor, our, our men's bottoms business is fantastic. Hmm. Uh, the product fit, the fabrications, easy to care, and ultimately made to last. I think that's that sets us apart from many other brands. And um, for, for the, yeah. David, for those who may not be familiar with the brand, what's your kind of average price point? Give me a sense of what what. Uh what a purchase looks like at a, at a kitten ace, just so people can kind of open their minds to what, what category you're playing in. Yeah. I, I say we're, we're more uh, premium. Uh, we're not fast fashion. Mm-hmm. We do use quality fabrics uh, with, with it being easy to easy to care and made to last. Uh, say again, a shirt of an average price point of say 
you know, anywhere from 110 to 130 around there. Pants, uh, our, 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 our top selling pants is around 190 to 220 type of range. And, and the fact that you don't need to dry clean the product that's great and, and and slip it on with a lot of care and comfort uh literally i i, I was traveling china early part of this year and i was wearing the product literally almost <laughs> other than sleeping in it i i was moving and uh and and, and be able to to survive the hot weather in in china so the the, the product is is tremendously well made joe you've scaled a lot of businesses before you know what it takes to scale what does scale look like is it I think you've already more than hinted more stores, uh, certainly in Canada. You see global expansion, David's expertise in e-commerce. What's the secret sauce in your mind for sustainable growth for 2023 and beyond for this brand? For every brand I've ever worked on, I think I think it, at the heart of it is amazing product and product development. Um, and if you, if you don't bring that proposition to the table, then um, you're going to have a hard time growing. So... You know that's where we're going to focus a lot of a lot of my energy will be focused on on the development of the product itself, and we will continue to evolve it. We will continue to bring incredible value, incredible fit, incredible product, uh, all within the brand ethos and within the brand identity. I think understanding who you are and what you are as a brand is super important to being successful mm. and making sure that your voice is always true to that. Now, consumer, you know, consumer tastes change. Uh, they move around. Uh, sometimes, you know, brands have a very consistent voice, but then the consumer will move away from, 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 from them um, because of uh, tasting, uh, shifting, uh, shifting taste. Sure. But having said that, I think that's where, again, it's very important to stay on top of, uh, on top of uh, consumer sentiment and, and really a tweaking and adjusting without, without trying to make a harsh uh, uh, turn on, on the brand, uh, brand identity. It, it, it reminds me of the challenge uh, as a department store Eaton's had, right? How do you grow but not alienate your existing base? You know, yeah, so. I mean, I, I, think, I think sometimes you do have to alienate them a little bit because, you know, depending on the age, Simpsons had this problem many years ago where mm. they, had, they had, you know, the white hair uh, set and, yeah. and they just couldn't, the blue hair, and they just couldn't, they couldn't move away from, from them. And, and then it becomes too late. I, and I think that happened to, you know, I always say if uh, Woolworths <laughs> Five and Dime had just lasted a little longer, they could have been the dollar store, which became a phenomena. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, things never change as much as people think. The only <laughs> huge step change was e-commerce. But even that now has become more of an omni-channel sure. uh, situation. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's still about amazing product. Uh, having being authentic, speaking with a real voice, uh, you know, servicing your customer, listening to your customer, all of the same tenets still hold true today. And you just, you have to be a slave to those tenets mm. in order to succeed in our industry because it's so competitive. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, like I said, if you're not ready for the battle and if you're not ready to work hard and to 
keep your antenna up and uh, and be humble uh, because uh, you know this is a game that will humble you every single day if every, you're not careful. You'll be you're one quarter away from uh, being very humble, right? All all Correct. the time, David. You know, when we talk about trends, last couple of quick questions. I mean, it feels like one of the big changes that came out of the COVID era or modern, our modern lives is kind of the change in work from home and the way we relate and travel around cities. It feels like Kit Nace is right in that trend, like you would be a, a benefit, a, a beneficiary of that trend that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going into work today, but maybe I live closer to where I work. Like, is that how you're thinking about it as well when you think about growth and trends? Absolutely. I think uh, we are in the right space where there's a lot of movement. People are on the move. Uh, the travel industry is, is uh, are already experiencing a massive rebound. Uh, tourism here in Gastown has basically returned. Uh, so, yeah, definitely in the, in the right spot of when people are, are moving around. Uh, and I've been living the bit of the consumer journey of ours. Here in Greater Vancouver, yeah. you just jump on the Sky Train. Right. Uh, you come to work, right? And then after you work, uh, you either grab a drink or you run off to play pickleball or something. And and I can my the product that I'm wearing, it, it definitely it allows me to do so comfortably. Last question, Joe, to you. Last question goes to you. Advice to retailers. Advice time. Um, advice to, from both of you actually, but let's start with you, Joe. Two starts and one stop is my way to kind of frame advice. Two things re- retailers in general need to start doing today to be successful. One thing they should, shouldn't do anymore. Any, what do you think? Well, I think they've got to listen to their customer, number one. Number two, I, I think I mentioned omni-channel. It has to be an absolutely seamless experience between your online experience and your store experience. I, I think if you don't have that going, you're going to be in, in deep trouble. Uh, so really, really uh, take the time to ensure that, that that's totally consistent. And then finally, you know, be careful. Don't overexpand bricks and mortar. Make sure that you expand intelligently. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I think those are the, those are the key things right mm. now. And just be true to who you are as a brand. And, and David, what about you? I mean, I, 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 when I think of this opportunity, I think what's the right pace for expansion and what's your advice to retailers who are trying to grow but don't want to, again, get ahead of their skis? Two starts, one stop. Great question. Uh, I, I would just, I'd like to mirror what Joe said, but I would add, uh, don't silo yourself based mm. on terminology, meaning uh, direct-to-consumer doesn't mean it's just e-com. Direct-to-consumer is also physical stores, Right. So it's not D2C, B2B, B2C. It is the omni approach to serving your customers uh, wherever, however they want to buy and, and experience yourself. Because, um, because you know, human nature, we can get into these silos and get stuck into, into buckets. Sure. No, no, it's, it's holistic. Uh, and think of everyone uh, holistically. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, gentlemen, I, it's a busy week for you, I'm sure. So thanks thanks a whole bunch for joining me on the podcast. Uh, David, I think one more time and you get the five-timer jacket. Uh, so I'll have to get you back on. And, and Joe, you get the one-timer jacket. So thanks for uh, for joining me on the pod. And uh, listen, gentlemen, best of luck uh, to you. I think you've got uh, a great brand and, and uh, sounds like great opportunity ahead. So much continued success. Thanks very much, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Voice of Retail. 
If you haven't already, be sure and follow on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically each week. And be sure to check out my other retail industry media properties, Remarkable Retail Podcast with Steve Dennis and the Global E-Commerce Leaders Podcast. Last but not least, if you're into barbecue, check out my YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, consumer growth consultant, president of Emmy LeBlanc and Company Inc., Maven Media, and keynote speaker. If you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at meleblanc.co. Safe travels, everyone. Thank you.